Hello, you're listening to Sarah Archer and episode 63 of the Speaking Club podcast. Putting aside the religious significance, I've been pondering how the celebration of the birth of a baby in an outhouse on the way to see the tax man has transformed into a time of eating too much, drinking too much and spending too much. Surely a more fitting remembrance would be sponsored walk to the National Tax Office and a night in a tent. Welcome to the Speaking Club Podcast, because making them laugh is the secret sauce to your speaking, pitching, and business success. And now your host, Sarah Archer. Welcome to the show. It's number 63. And this is the last show before the full festive season kicks in. And as ever, I wanted to say thank you so much for listening. Now, today is a special show. I was recommended to speak to my guest, Clary Bean, by a previous guest. And initially, I was a bit concerned that there wouldn't be enough related content to make it relevant for the speaking club. But then I spoke to him and I changed my mind. The story of his inspirational wife, Christine, Clary's journey and the way he's used music and speaking to touch people around the world is something I felt should be shared. He's not a professional speaker. He's not an expert or an author, but he's a man with a powerful message and delivering it has helped him get through one of the most painful things we can endure as human beings. And it's brought light back into his life and the lives of the people who hear that message. Now, there's going to be parts of this interview that will be tough to listen to, especially if you have suffered a recent loss. But the intent of sharing Clary's story is to bring solace, joy and hope. And there is something for all of us to take away here for our speaking and for our lives. Okay, over to Clary. So Clary Bean, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, Sarah. Glad to be here. Smashing. Now, we met in Edinburgh in 2015 when you and Christine came uh, with some people that I know to see uh, play uh, at the Fringe that that I did. And I know you worked in the arts, but I wondered if you could tell me a bit about you and and life before Christine got ill to start off with. Okay. Yes, I remember that that play, Dearly Beloved, wasn't it? It was, yes. Yeah. And I yeah. believe my very good friend John Marshall was in that. He was indeed, yeah, he yes. was in it. <laughs> yes, I, I, I remember that because I used to go to the Fringe every year when I worked in the arts. My career in the arts uh, started at the Link Centre in Swindon when we had a small studio theatre back in the 80s. And then I moved to run the Swindon Arts Centre. And I ran the Swindon Arts Centre for 21 years. And one of the most enjoyable things was going to the Edinburgh Fringe every year and just checking out new talent and seeing new plays. Um, but all the time that I went for my job, uh, Christine never particularly wanted to come with me. So when I retired from the arts, we decided we were going to, you know, we were going to go up there and see Edinburgh. And, uh, and we did. And it wasn't though that crazy trying to see eight shows in a day, which you do as a promoter. Yes. But it was a just, you know, we had time to kind of relax and enjoy it. And, and I remember Christine touring the city in an open top bus while I kind of did a bit of walkabout. So it was, so it was really nice. So um, that was good that she got, to see, got yeah. to see the city. And one of my regrets is that she wanted to go back and see the city without the madness of the Edinburgh Fringe Festival going on. Yeah. And, uh, and it, ne- it never happened, unfortunately. But um, yeah, so my career took me through 
working in the arts, which I really enjoyed. I was very fortunate to have that job. Anybody who is able to do a job that they enjoy is very fortunate, I think. How did you and, get into that, Clary? Uh, really, because I was working for the Borough Council. The Borough Council at the time, back in the 80s, had quite an extensive arts budget and arts provision. And I was always uh, interested in community arts. I, I participated in community theatre. Uh, I was in a band when I was younger. So I, I kind of got to know the guys who were in charge anyway. And uh, when, when a job came up, I kind of went for the interview. And, um, and I thought, I'd really like to do this. I didn't get that job. But, <laughs> but a couple of years after that, another job came up for this new facility. And uh, Christine and I had a conversation and, you know, we said, I was working in computer programming at the time, ah. which, you know, would probably have ended up being much more lucrative. But I used to come home with, with headaches and I was stressing. And so we sat down and we had a conversation and it was, well, we either go for the, the career and, and the money and the, you know, suck it and see, suck it up basically and uh, sit down at a keyboard all, all the time or go and do something which I really wanted to do, which was work as an arts administrator. Uh, and of course, towards the end of the career, you're, you're, everybody sat at a keyboard tapping it now anyway, so it <laughs> ended up being no different, <laughs> really. Um, but I was, I was lucky to do that. And uh, I met Christine while working for the council. We both worked for the council um, when we were both in the architects department. That's how I met her. And she went on to, to work in various departments within the within the council and ended up as a in revenues and benefits and that was her career so she was very good at what she did and, and was very respected in the workplace brilliant and and have you you left have you retired or left what, what's your what are you doing at the moment in terms well, of what what happened four years ago uh was that um you know i was just saying about how the arts provision and the arts budgets uh were 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 endless in the 80s um, and gradually over the years you know the councils have had to cut back they've had to yeah. reprioritize um, so the council couldn't afford to run the arts center anymore and when the theater contract came up for the main theater in Swindon they decided to roll it in with that uh, wow. and, and offer it to a private uh, private operator so I knew there wasn't going to be a job for me so basically I thought well I'll, I'll kind of take my semi-retirement as it were yeah um and uh, again fortunate enough to do a job now part-time which i enjoy doing which is working in the register office so oh, okay it's that, quite you know it's varied and lovely and uh you know it's nice to be able to marry people and as okay. i say it's part-time uh which when christine was poorly uh was was very useful and enabled me to have that that balance in fact the day Sorry, the month that I was offered the job, uh, that was the time that we discovered that she had cancer. And wow. we had a conversation as to whether I should take the job at all. And uh, bless her, she was always thinking of me. And she said, no, 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 you need, you need to do this. You need an outlet. You know, don't just feel you have to be in the house looking after me. So, so we decided between us that I would take the job. And I'm very pleased I did. Okay, oh, and so that's what I was going to move into. So I know Christine fought her own style because I think she was ill when she came, when you guys were in Edinburgh. I think think she was already ill, yes, but fighting yes, it. Yes. And, um, I, you know, tragically, she, she passed away this time last year, which must have been, you know, terrible for you and your family. But tell, tell me about, you've taken on a big project in her memory. 
And that's what I want to talk to you about. And I want you to tell me about how the project came about, why it was important for you to do it. You know, tell me about all that. Right. Well, uh, you're right. Christine was poorly when we came to Edinburgh because um, that was 2015. Yeah. She'd already had to undergo uh, chemotherapy. She first got ill, Sarah, in, or was diagnosed with another disease in 2009. Uh, a type of vasculitis you know she just went to the GP because she was having a a few problems and thought well I you know maybe I've got appendicitis I'm a bit worried my son happened to be home um, because the World Cup was on and we were going to watch the football Uh, and we went to the surgery and then normally if Christine went to the doctor's surgery I would go in and sit with her but because he was there we sat outside and she went into this on her own and she came out and she said um, I said okay and she said no they're sending me to the hospital and we went straight to the hospital and immediately into tests. And to cut a long story short, they took a long time to diagnose that illness because, because the problem with vasculitis is it disguises itself as many other things. The doctors did endless tests. They kept her in. They thought she had pneumonia. I remember one of the doctors saying to her, you're going to feel as if you've been hit by a bus because you know, pneumonia is serious. Uh, when we went for the follow-up appointment after two months or six weeks, whatever it was, she was in a wheelchair. She, she didn't have the strength to walk. And I wheeled her into the hospital and it was a locum that we were seeing. And they looked at her and said, why, why are you in a wheelchair? And she said, well, because I had pneumonia and I, you know, I, I was told I'd feel like I'd been hit by a bus and I do. And luckily this doctor knew their stuff and decided to do some tests, sent some tests down to Southampton. Uh, and when we got the results, it was that she had this form of vasculitis. And if they hadn't caught it and hadn't diagnosed it, she would have been dead within six months, I think. Really? Yeah. Gosh, so immediately, immediately we were into uh, treatment. Immediately we were into chemotherapy. So she'd had all this chemotherapy to deal with for uh, five years. Uh, and had exhausted the types of chemotherapy for the the disease, but there was a biological therapy which was being trialled in its final stages of being trialled, and they put her on that. And for about six months, they actually got on top of that disease, and, you know, she was never the same, but because it had affected her in so many different ways, she had to have brain surgery during all of this. She'd had the chemo and she had this new treatment to deal with. And all of these treatments are so in, intrusive and, and debilitating. Yeah. Uh, but she coped with it amazingly well. Um, and we got to the stage where we were on kind of an even keel with this disease. It was, un, it seemed to be under control she was always up for experiences and doing whatever she could whenever she could. So, you know, holidays were planned, uh, you know, a year in advance <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and we, you know, we, we did what we could yeah. and, you know, there were disappointments if she couldn't make something, but that's, we dealt with that. Well, this was a journey that we were going on. And then in 2014, we were hit again with the news that she had bowel cancer. And so it was, you know, a real, a real blow. Yeah. And because she'd already had chemotherapy, uh, you know, there, there were limits to what she could take on top of that. So again, it was more different types of chemotherapy and they were trying to control it. 
this, the, the cancer. She, she was operated on first and then they started the treatments. Uh, so it was, it was difficult. It was a difficult few years. Um, I was lucky enough to be able to go part-time in my arts job and, yeah. and actually look after, you know, I'd, I'd been looking after her during the vasculitis time. And then, as I say, this all kind of coincided with me deciding to leave my job and take on this new part-time role. So I was fortunate that I wasn't having to go to work every day and leave her, but it wasn't easy some days to walk out the house um, because, it, because it was tough. But the amazing thing about Christine was her, her character. She, she, from somebody who'd, who wouldn't take an aspirin or a paracetamol if she had a headache when she was you know, fit and well, to suddenly having a whole cocktail of drugs and treatments to deal with. Um, she knew she had to do it and she, and she dealt with it amazingly well. And she was so inspirational and positive. And I think the positivity carried her through quite a lot. I can't imagine how she must have been feeling through all of this. But, you know, if we had bad news or a setback or she was really struggling, it might take her two days to get over it. But she always got over it. She always bounced back. She always became herself and, and loved, loved life. Well, in, in, in 2017, uh, we'd exhausted all the forms of treatment in August I went to her consultancy appointment for her because she wasn't well enough. Right. And because I'd, been, I'd always accompanied Christine to these appointments, the oncologist saw me and said she was happy to talk to me. Well, before I left home, Christine said to me, can you ask her, can you ask the oncologist how long I've got? And I was really surprised that she said that to me because I, I never thought she'd asked that question. So I, I asked the oncologist, and because we had exhausted all forms of treatment, we'd stopped treatment four months before, Christine was obviously getting worse. And the oncologist said to me, well, I think Christmas is in the woods. That's the term she used. So basically she was telling us she wouldn't make Christmas. Right. So my family, my son and my daughter, we have two children. We have two, two grandchildren as well. Uh, the family decided we would have Christmas early. So we celebrated Christmas in October last year. Oh. Because Christmas was a time that Christine loved. Yeah. Uh, she absolutely, absolutely loved Christmas. She passed away on the 13th of December last year. So all the predictions were correct. She never made Christmas. But the day that we had in October was, was wonderful. It was lovely. It was a lovely family Christmas. And it was really bizarre coming out of the house the next day. And just, you know, everybody else was just in normal world. And we were in yeah. Christmas world. It was very strange. Well, she passed away. We had last Christmas was, was terrible for all of us because she'd only just left us. Yeah. Uh, we had the funeral to plan, which ha happened in early January. So last Christmas is a bit of a blur for me. Yeah. When I got to kind of February time, I was thinking how, you know, how, how am I going to cope? How am I going to deal with, with getting on with my life? Um, I'd had a few weeks to think about it. I'd, I'd been down to our normal winter holiday haunt, which is Torquay, bizarrely enough, because Christine loved Torquay. We used to go out of season and it's, it was lovely. And I'd managed to buy her a memorial bench on, on the front there in the, garden, oh, in the gardens, okay. which was a lovely thing. I was just, I'm sure it was fate. I'm sure she was guiding me, but 
I got the last plot, I got the last bench. So there is a bench there with her, her name on it, which is lovely. So I was able to go and, you know, come, come back to Swindon thinking, well, that's, that's, I've done that. That's, that's lovely. I will go and see it when it's in. Yeah. And then I thought, well, you know, what else am I going to do? How am I going to, how am I going to deal with, with getting on with life? And it just came to me one day that I, I should pay tribute to her in a way that was fitting. And for us, that was music because we were always musical. We, we both, we used to sing together. Our voices seemed to blend together, which was, which is quite unusual for a husband and wife to have similar tones. And um, we, we loved singing together and the children had kind of picked up this bug as well. So they ended up singing and, and so it came to me that, you know, maybe I should just write a song for her. And I had a song which I'd co-written with my friend Andy Merriweather uh, a couple of years ago, which was intended to be a new Christmas song. Um, I thought it'd be nice to have an original Christmas song, which is uplifting. Yeah. Um, and, and we wrote it and we performed it actually at a Christmas show with my daughter, with, a, with a, some singers, backing singers. And we'd always talked about recording the song and, you know, a few months later, Christine said to me, you never got round to recording that song. And I said, well, no, I'd, you know, it's, the time's never been right. With everything that was going on in our own lives, it didn't feel right to do that. So it never happened. And I was thinking about this and I thought, maybe I can rewrite this song and make it a tribute to her. How do I do that? How do I get the words to, to pay tribute to Christine? Yeah. So I went to Andy and I said, look, I've, I've had this idea. I've rewritten these words. What do you think? And he, he played it through and I sang it and we sat there and he thought for a few moments. And then he said, well, if we, if we do this and we move this to there and we have this little bit, it can work. And, and it absolutely did. And so it became this little project where I thought this is nice because it is fitting and it, and it speaks about, from my perspective, how you remember somebody at Christmas who loved Christmas, how you cope with grief, how you carry on in their memory. But from being just this little song that we, we just wanted to write, and then the idea came that we should record it. And the whole thing just kind of snowballed, to use a Christmas pun. Yeah. Uh, it, it kind of almost went beyond our control and again I just felt all the time that she was guiding me to this guiding me to this project and helping me along the way and from being just this two of us singing I suddenly had the idea that my son could have a vocal line on it my daughter could have a vocal line and then I started to hear the chorus in the middle Um, and I thought we need to get you know more backing singers on this and then I thought, well, bass and drums we need. Uh, and then it was strings. And I suddenly had this idea for a string arrangement. So it really became a, a kind of production number, yeah. uh, which it had never been intended to be. And I thought, wouldn't it be lovely to, you know, just, just pay the money, have a really quality recording and put it out there as a fundraiser for Vasculitis UK, who helped us with her initial condition and the prospect hospice, local hospice to Swindon, which is where she passed away. And so part of the proceeds from the record are, are going to both those charities. The rest of it, I'm kind of paying off what I spent on it 
and it's it's just become much bigger than we intended it to be yeah but also it's it's brought everybody together and the people who are doing the backing singing are our close friends and family and it got us talking about christine and we sat and, and talked and we you know it was it was a joyous experience to be in that recording studio when when the backing was put down and it it's kept her present for me yeah. rather than being past if that makes yeah. sense yeah and it really really has been a cathartic and healing experience for me and particularly because because it's christmas because it's just been released in time for christmas and around all the time where every day the family are waking up and thinking this time last year dot 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 yeah. you know this was happening this is how she was feeling yeah um and she was so even in the last week or so she was still so positive and insisted as it was coming up to christmas that we decorate her room as and it became a little grotto and yeah. you know the nurses used to come in and say oh this is so lovely you know we're just going to hide in here tonight because it's so festive and so she kept that spirit and you know insisted on enjoying and making the most of her life right up to the final days um and, and thinking about you guys as well by the sound of it absolutely always thinking of, of me and and son and daughter and the grandchildren and all her friends and she really was an inspiration not only to myself but to everybody around her to to the medical team because of the way that she she coped with it all and i i can't to this day i can't i can't imagine how she did that had she always been in her life that sort of i mean it sounds like she was very you you mentioned the word positive philosophical I don't know the word philosophical sort of jumped in my head whether that's right or not but was this something that she discovered within herself because you know through the illness or had she always been like that and and you know because it's a big like you say a lot of people wouldn't have been the same way as she was she was always the wise counsellor in the family. She, mm-hmm. she could always read, I, you know, I'm not terribly good at reading people or reading situations or if something happens, I have to think about it, process it and then come back. Mm-hmm. Whereas she always seemed to know the right thing to say, the right way to deal with something. So she had that within her. Um, she was always, yeah, she, she thought quite deeply about things she had she had faith as well which helped mm-hmm. um although we were lapsed catholics um she she very much believed in 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 the virgin mary mm-hmm. uh she very much believed in that side of things she uh, and uh, when she became ill again i think she started to look for answers and she started to read more deeply so you know she read the book of joy which was uh, desmond tutu um, and she read Buddhist teachings, so she she extended her 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 knowledge that way and took inspiration from from these these texts. Um, but also, I think she developed as a character because of the illness. She she developed a way of dealing with it. So I think when when you're hit by an illness, life-changing illness. Um, it, it rocks your world, and it and I think it does change you. And it 
you know that it, that change can be negative mm. or you can take it and make it a positive mm. and i think she chose to make it a positive so while our lives were were very good before you know we'd reached a happy place back in 2009 we had our 25th wedding anniversary we had an amazing holiday and we were we were happy you know the children were turning out fine yeah <laughs> uh you know we were we were we were we were comfortable and suddenly this hits you, punches you in the stomach and says, actually, you know, this is life. This is what you've got to face. And it was very difficult for both of us. But as I say, the way she dealt with it, you know, she, she knew how to process that. And something, obviously something in her character was so strong. I think she, she always had a strength about her, but this really brought it out. And she was determined to be positive. She'd always had a very positive and happy outlook on life. And I think that that helped but you know you kind of you coast along as a, as a couple you can do as a couple and you think yeah we're quite content this is really nice and then something happens and and you know you either deal with it yourself or you deal with it as a couple or you know one of you can't handle it and fortunately we were able to deal with it and I think I drew strength from her and I would like to think she drew strength from how I dealt with it and and cared for her and so we, we very much um, dealt with it together. We had a strong, very strong marriage, very happy relationship. Um, and we celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary. Uh, I think Christine was worried that she wouldn't get to see her children marry. She wouldn't get to see grandchildren. You know, these things happened yeah. and, and she was pleased. But of course now it's quite devastating for us that she's not here. Yeah. To, you know, as a, as a present, a physical presence. And she won't get to see her little boys, you know, the grandsons uh, in their Christmas nativity and, and see them grow up into, you know, mm. and carry her spirit with them. But it sounds like, um, you know, in some sense, it, uh, you've kind of taken on the mantle from, from you know, excuse me, <laughs> From what you've, you know, the things that you're doing at the moment, and I want to sort of talk a bit more about the project, but that, you know, she's inspired you. And in a sense, you're carrying that, that torch that she had within her on. I don't, I'm just, this is what I'm sort of feeling. I don't know if that's because the strength that you've got to have to, you know, to, to move forward, even just, you know, must be immense. And I don't know if that's true, but that's kind of a sense of what I'm getting. You said that she was guiding you. And it feels like that, that, you know, that you're carrying that on for her. Yeah, I think, I think I am kind of drawing on her strength. I, I do feel her presence. I do feel that she's, she's helping me. But there was, I had two major wobbles during this project. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was, um, shall we say, musical differences with somebody. Right. <laughs> and I came home and I, and I thought, is this Christine telling me that, this is out of control, you know, like, what are you doing? You, you were just writing this lovely tribute to me. Now, what, what do you think you're doing? Why yeah. is it getting so big? And I really, really worried about that. And I thought maybe I should just, just pull the plug on this because it's, it's not right. She's telling me it's not right. And then something happened and a couple of people contacted me. And actually, I thought, no, she's telling me that I've got to go through this to get the product I want to get the sound I want, to get, to get the song how she would want it. Yeah. And so that, 
kind of re-inspired me. Uh, and then I had a, we, we did a live launch for the song. Um, and I had a bit of a wobble <laughs> just before that happened. And I thought, you know, what, what, again, what are you doing? Why are you doing? You've got the wrong place. It's not going to work. Nobody's going to come. It's going to be awful. And I needed, you know, again, just a, a, one of my friends, one of my close friends was able to kind of reassure me that actually it was going to be okay. I was, I was fretting for nothing. So to answer your question, I, I don't, I don't feel that I've, I can take on her mantle. I don't feel I am that character. She was always a much stronger character than me. Mm. She was always a much better person than I am. I do feel that. But I, I feel her presence and I feel that she, she wants me to, to, to do well. Um, she, as I said, she was always thinking of others. She was always thinking of the family. She left instructions for friends. She left instructions for me to, you know, to, to carry on and, and be positive and have holidays and, and enjoy life. Uh, which, you know, when someone is about to die, that's a really tough thing to listen to. But, yeah. you know, she gave, she was giving out words of advice up until, you know, two days before she passed to everyone. And she wanted us to, to carry on. She wanted us to enjoy life. And this, as I said, this process, this project has kind of, you know, become all consuming and it really has taken taken a lot of time to get to get it right i've had really good support from close friends and family my son unfortunately is in is in new york he's working in new york now but my daughter has been here he's kind of helped where he can you know from abroad uh, but it you know i've had really good good support from from some very close friends and the way it's turned out is 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 wonderful um as i say we got to to release date on the 7th of december I was only going to press 500 CDs because I thought nobody plays CDs anymore. It's the thing of the past. Uh, but it was cost effective to get a thousand done. So I got a thousand done and we've already sold over 500. Oh, so brilliant. You know, we would have sold out had I gone for my initial pessimistic. <laughs> outlook. Uh, so that's been really good. But now, of course, Sarah, you've got this whole new thing of downloading and streaming, yeah. which, you know, when I was in a band 30 years ago, you didn't have that. It was a, it was a vinyl or nothing. Yeah. Um, so there's all, the, all of that now where people are, are playing it. And at the moment, we don't have the figures from downloads, but, you know, it is out there on Spotify. It is out there on, on the digital platforms. So I know people are listening to it. And, of course, the social media side of things and yeah. the Internet we set up a website, which is illuminatemylife.co.uk. We set up a Facebook page. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, are, we are getting messages and likes and comments from uh, America, from uh, Australia, from, you know, all over the world. And, it's, I, I, and it's, that's an extraordinary thing for me to deal with at my age. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to talk about that in a bit, but I'm going to roll back a little bit. So... As well as singing, this you know we've mentioned the singing. It's a song, but doing this project has also required you to do a fair amount of public speaking. And I can only imagine, you know, I'm getting choked up talking to you. You know how to do a speech, and I think I've I've done two eulogies, and I always lose. I can't I can't you know keep it together. So for you to be doing this project and doing the public speaking must be really tough how how has that part of it been for you 
I have done public speaking in the past because working at the, the art center, mm. um, you know, I have, I have addressed people, uh, through my job, you know, addressed colleagues, mm-hmm. uh, as I said, I initially had an interest in, in acting and singing. So I've performed on stage. I've, yeah. I've compared shows. It's very different this because it is such a personal thing. Mm. I, I couldn't, I couldn't speak at her funeral. My, you know, our, our close friend, Christine asked our close friend, Ellie, to deliver my words, uh, sorry, to deliver what she wanted to say, yeah. which was, and, and then I added to that. So it became, you know, uh, the eulogy, but my words that I wanted to pay tribute at the funeral were, were delivered by my best, fa- my best man, um, Gordon. So I couldn't speak at the funeral. I knew I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to do that. Working on this project, because of the nature of the song, and where we have performed it, because it's, it needs to be the right audience. It needs to be received properly. And so I've sung it at the hospice itself. They have a wonderful remembrance service, which I went to last, last week. And what I've tended to do is try and tailor what I'm saying to the people who are listening. Mm. So it, that's been different every time. So I, I haven't been prescriptive in what I've wanted to say, but I have wanted to get the message across why, you know, as the, the reasoning behind doing the project, why I've done it. And although the words are from my perspective and very much how I felt, you know, nine months ago now and how I was going to face Christmas, the words resonate with people they connect with people so anybody who's lost someone when we first played the demos to close friends or colleagues you know they would immediately say well that's that's i've I've got my aunt you know in my mind now or my mum, or you know my brother so it does connect with people who have experienced loss it's not just my story and her story So I think what is happening is, is that her spirit is coming through the music. And I very much feel that when I am speaking about the song, introducing it, setting the context for people so they understand what they are about to hear. And when I'm singing it, it's not like anything I've ever done before. It's not acting. It's not delivering a speech about something which you have great knowledge about or, you know, you've researched. It is about trying to get the message across clearly and in a way which people are going to listen and then accept the song as it's meant to be. And I I feel, so I I don't over-prepare what I'm going to say. I do try and think beforehand who's going to be there. I do try and kind of gauge who's there, who the audience is. Some of the events, there have been faces I've recognised some of the events have had civic dignitaries. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Prospect Hospice, when I, when I sang it at their remembrance service, everybody there, 500 people, have all lost someone in that hospice. Mm-hmm. They knew exactly what I was talking about. And it was very powerful for me to deliver that message and for them to receive that message. And we, we had some lovely comments afterwards. I sang it at the hospice 
on the anniversary of Christine's death. And my daughter said, you're nuts. Why are you doing that? Yeah. And I said, because they've asked me to, the staff have asked me to, the staff have been so the, the, behind the project. They've supported me all the way through it, been really brilliant. And it was an opportunity for the hospice staff to, to hear the song. And that was yesterday, and wasn't it? Just for it was, context. Yeah. It was yesterday and they gathered and it was difficult to, to, to be there knowing she died there just a year ago. Yeah. But I wanted to be there. I, w- I would have wanted to be in the hospice yesterday. Mm. I wouldn't have wanted to be, you know, what else would I have done? You know, just been at home by myself. Yeah. Um, I couldn't have coped with that. Being there, being with, you know, again, a couple of very close friends came and helped me. Being there and seeing familiar faces knowing that people remembered her and thought fondly of her and being in that environment and having people receive the song so well was absolutely the right thing to do on the day and again yesterday I couldn't I couldn't introduce it because I think everybody who was there knew what the song was about they'd heard about it they knew the song was out there they knew the song was there as a fundraiser and so they just, they came to hear it live. They came to hear an actual, you know, performance, performance of it. But it, it, it has to come from the heart. It can't just be, you know, your ego being there singing a song and saying, look at me, I'm what, how wonderful I am. It is very much the music which comes first. And I try and put the music over as best I can. But even in, like in the speech and in the song, there's a message that you're getting across, isn't there? I'm, I'm assuming that you're using, you know, telling stories about Christine before, before you introduce. I would imagine that that's something that you do, but there's a message that you're getting across. So you're a vehicle in a sense, I think. Do you feel that way? I do. I do yes, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, you know, I am trying to explain why I've done what I've done, um, you know, why the song is there. And for me... It's, it's not only a way of paying tribute to her, it's, it's got this universal message. It's, got, it's coming from a place which I don't think any other Christmas song has. And because it's a Christmas song, it's very personal and, and exactly how, you know, the, the time of year that she loved um, is, is summed up in the song. And, and what would you, and you may have already said this, but what the message at the heart of this is, is what, the song the message at the heart of the song is you lose somebody and christmas is a very difficult time for people who've lost someone particularly if you've lost someone recently mm-hmm. it feels more painful it feels more raw it, that will never go away it may diminish over time uh, it's never gone so and if you've lost someone 15 20 years ago it can feel as raw today as it as it did then but it's the message is you know how do you carry on how do you celebrate a time when you're grieving when you're missing someone when you know that they should be there and they're not and it's about keeping someone's memory through the way that you deal with something so for me it was christmas uh, the song is called christmas the way it's meant to be through the words of the song, I tell the story of how, you know, how we used to celebrate Christmas and, and that I can't believe, you know, I never fully believed that she wouldn't be here, although she was ill for quite some time. You never prepare yourself 
for your partner not being there. And I thought I was, I had kind of prepared myself for life after her because when she was in hospital, when she was in the hospice and, you know, it was me coming home to my, my dog and my house, my empty house. And I, you know, I would, I would think, well, this is my life. This is what my life's going to be like. I'm going to have to get used to this. I'm going to have to cope with this living this way, but you can't prepare Sarah. You can't, you can't prepare yourself fully for it. It's, it was such a shock. But as I say, I, I, I think as a project, this has, this has really helped me to cope. And having got to the anniversary of her death yesterday, um, it, it's made it easier for me. I think if I hadn't gone down this path, I would have struggled much more to cope with this time of the year. This has given me a focus and it has also gone beyond what I expected in that it's touching people. And the wonderful thing, both through social media, but also through personal appearances and people receiving the song, has been that they have come up and shared their stories. People have shared their stories with me. So at the hospice, I had a gentleman come up and he said, I lost my wife in July and I don't know how I'm going to deal with Christmas, but I want to buy your song. I want to listen to it. Another lady said, I heard the song. It's beautiful, but I walked away because I thought I can't listen to that again. And then she came back and she thought about it and came back to me and said, no, I do want to buy one. I do. I will, you know, but it, I know it will make me cry. And I said, well, yeah, you may listen to it and it may make you cry the first half a dozen times, but perhaps after that, it will bring you comfort. And, you know, we've had the most wonderful messages. Somebody in Louisville, Kentucky in the USA wrote to me through the website and said, I lost my husband of 34 years to vasculitis and I wasn't looking forward to Christmas but your song has given me the inspiration to celebrate Christmas with my family and remember my dear husband. And I just think that's the most amazing thing that it's helped people that way. And I hope going back to the speaking, the public speaking part, I hope the way that I introduce the song contextualizes it and actually prepares people to hear the message in the song so that when they're listening to it for the first time, they're not thinking this is somebody singing about his wife necessarily. They are thinking of their own person, personal loss and, and how the song can help them and bring comfort to them. And that's, so it's become something different mm. from what it started out being as, uh, you know, as my story and my tribute. It's mm. grown and it's evolved and it's gone beyond that. And that's, that's a wonderful thing for me and a, and a wonderful message and a wonderful way for her spirit to be carried out into the world it's beautiful and you know that you i was going to ask you about the reactions but it sounds like it's been you know amazing that must give you such a a lift it's not only now that you're helping yourself in terms of moving forward but you're helping other people you know because you i can imagine that you can put those feelings in a box and try and ignore them and you know and 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 push christmas aside or you can you know, it sounds like you're helping people to embrace, you know, and keep that, that memory alive of the person rather than just trying to, to push things away. Like that lady who came back and bought the song. That must be so rewarding 
to you? It was, yeah, it was very, very moving for me. Uh, and, and to hear her say that. And then, and then I think that was the lady that also said, I'm going to send it to my sister as well. so you know so she can hear it and there are other people who say well yeah I've just lost my friend or a friend of mine has just lost somebody or somebody I know has lost somebody I'm going to buy it for them because I think and I'm not even going to prepare them for it I'm just going to give it to them and say listen to this on Christmas day and see what you think and see if it helps it won't be for everyone There, there will be people who who, who aren't ready to accept the message or who don't want to accept the message, or maybe people might, you know, think of it as, a, a, you know, whether I'm trying to preach to them, I don't know. Right. But it's, it's, I think the words are general enough and are able to be interpreted by yourself. Mm-hmm. Somebody else said to me the other day, it doesn't even have to be about permanent loss. It can be about enforced loss. So if you are estranged, from somebody you you know you've lost them and it's the same thing that they're not there to celebrate Christmas with you and how do you celebrate without them so it it can be interpreted that way Mm. so I think that the message is you know some uh, when when you write a song you write it from your perspective and you and you you kind of have an idea of what you want to say and hopefully that message gets across but once you've written it and people have heard it, they're going to list, they're going to put their own interpretation on it. You can't control that. No. Um, but it, uh, you know, the, the the response has been very positive so far. I know we've been in, in a little bit of a bubble in that we are, you know, performing it uh, and people are receiving it. But you know that nobody's come back sort of negatively, which is which is wonderful. And I hope people accept it for what it is, what it's meant to be. I'm sure they will. And and is this a one-off project, Clary, or do you think that you'll do something else after? Uh, that's a good question. You know, what am I going to do after after Christmas? <laughs> because you know this this has taken up so much time since April. Yeah. Um, so I think you know once we've we've gone past Christmas, I think we will sit down together and kind of you know review how it went. When we started on the project, we were we. I remember our first meeting. It's just you know friends and family coming together, and we said, you know, why why are we doing this? We need to be sure why we're doing this. And so we did kind of decide on the aims of it initially, that it really was about her. It really was about Christy. That's got to be at the core of all of it. So you know, I'm hoping that I don't kind of crash and burn after Christmas because you know suddenly it's there's this big hole where this has been happening all the time um so i don't know about the next project i don't know whether there will be something else i haven't written a song before this one uh since the 70s when i was a you know young long-haired youth in a band (laughs) so i haven't had that kind of inspiration really I've, i've fulfilled my my artistic side either through acting singing or my career so that creative side has, has, has been catered for. And then suddenly, you know, this, this song kind of took me by surprise and I, I felt I had to do it. So I don't know whether there'll be anything else. I don't know that anything else would, would kind of take its place or be a natural follow-on for me. I think, I think the thing just to consider and, you know, is just that now that you've... The project in itself is a story. You know, mm. the message that, you know, the 
I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm literally, this is just sort of occurring to me is that, you know, it was a process to help you get over it and telling the story of the project and everything else could help other people. You know, it's, it's, it move on beyond the whole Christmas thing, the, the whole project in itself and what you've done is a story now that could move forward. So I, that may be something, I think there's a, you know, the, the whole message of the project is something that could live on beyond the Christmas. Just, you know, just that, that's what I think anyway. Yeah. And I think because, because I'm in the middle of it. So, you know, it's been, it's been hard work. It's been very enjoyable, but it has kept me focused, mm. you know, on the aims of it. And, and it's, and it's kept me thinking of her every day, you know, on, in addition to how I would be thinking of her anyway. Mm. So it's, it's brought that focus to my life and, and to other people. And, you know, because I've felt her guidance and, and her presence through it, it's been really, really helpful. So I'm sure that, you know, something, something will come of it. As you say, it is, you know, I haven't looked at it from the way you've just described it, but you're right. It has become something in itself, you know, a story in itself as to, as to how it's, how it's happened. Yeah. And that, and that may give other people the inspiration to do things themselves that will help them anyway that's just my you know <laughs> you probably want to rest after this to be fair well <laughs> you know possibly i mean somebody did say to me yesterday you know what, what are you going to do next you know you can you're going to write another song or you know maybe you should write a book now and i just looked at them and i thought you know i don't know this is <laughs> this has been so overwhelming and and we're still you know we're still in the middle of it so i think i think a time for reflection uh, in the new year will be right and then you know I'm sure we'll be guided and we'll be helped and, and something will come to us as to, as to what we do next. But also because it is a Christmas song, you know, it, it's, there's an opportunity for it next year. Absolutely. It is something that, that will live on. It's not just, you know, a song that's come out in the middle of the year. It is, yeah. it is a Christmas record. Um, so hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll come up with some plans for it for next year as well. Brilliant. Okay, cool. I, I, I mean, I've got some standard questions to ask you and I want to, before we completely wrap up, I want to talk about the, where people can get hold of the song and we'll give the, the website again and, and we're going to play out uh, the show with the song. But the, the standard, but I just wanted to say thank you, Clary, because I know how difficult, you know, I can imagine, it, it, you know, it is to talk, you know, I just appreciate you sharing this and the sort of stories and the, and the, and the emotions and everything that you shared. I think, you know, it's been brilliant. Uh, and I, I just hope people will get some, some, you know, solace for themselves from what you've shared. So I really appreciate that. And thank you for that. No, thank you. Thank you for asking me. Yeah, you're welcome. It was, it was a suggestion from a previous guest, Andy, who uh, <laughs> people may, may have, it was the, the best man speech guy as people right. you know yeah. him from the show, but okay, cool. So I, I mean, I just wanted to, to, to ask you and, and again, it may be interesting I don't know if this is appropriate, but it just occurred to me. To, so one of the things that I ask is, what's the one book that you've read that's had most impact on your life and why? And I quite like to find out yours, but I don't know if you, if you might also be able to share Christine's as well. I just I feel like it might be appropriate, you know, especially if you know, there's two sides to this coin. There's the people that are left, and then there's also potentially people that are listening that may be going through what Christine uh, went through. So that, that might be helpful to them as well if you, if you can. Yeah, I mean, I, I already mentioned the Book of Joy, which, which Christine was reading, which was uh, Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu together. 
that was a book that she felt very strongly about. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't read as much as I should do. Um, and when Christine passed away, I immediately kind of scratched around for things to read to help me. You know, I didn't know what was out there. And there, there is a book called Grief is the Thing with Feathers. Uh, I can't remember the author. Um, and I read that. And it, it takes its inspiration from Ted Hughes's poem, uh, poems and, and his use of the crow, particularly as a symbol. And, uh, and that book was, it had mixed reviews. I don't think people quite knew how to take the book. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it certainly got me thinking. And, it, and it's, it's a book which is about a young father. It's not my situation. It's about a young man who, who loses his wife and he has you know, a small voice and how he deals with that. But it, 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 was, it certainly it stayed with me, and, and I think it helped as well. Um, so that, that was an interesting read, and it's right. something that, that I had to do. Uh, I guess the book which I, which I kind of go back to is um, a book called Things Fall Apart by uh, Shinoa Shebi, which, which really, when I was doing my degree, I studied it then, and, and it's, it's a very powerful book um, set in Africa, pre-colonial post-colonial time and so that's 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 very interesting to me that book and i and I, I don't often reread books but i have read that a few times and, and i'm about? also um it's it's about it, it kind of um describes life in nigeria and the Igbo tribe and and how their customs and how they deal with it is focused around this, this you know this young man and and then of course um the western world impinges upon that Mm. that society and, and how everything changes how everything falls apart but it's very much his character uh, is at the center of it and how he deals with things and it's a very powerful story and it and because it was written by an african writer it was the, i think it was the first book which really told things from their perspective mm-hmm. um but obviously the message there is is something that you know you, you can take and, and you can apply it to many things to, to as, a, as a life as, as a life experience so that's a very powerful book. But I'm also a sucker for, uh, for uh, rock biographies. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in the nonfiction sense, um, there's a book called Love Me Do about the Beatles, which is about their early career. And it is so exciting because it, most people know about the Beatles or young people don't now because they don't listen to them. But it captures their early career and the early excitement of, that, of those first two years and really shows them as, as young men just having the most fantastic time. I love that book. And again, it's a book I've read a few times. And there's an Elvis Presley um, uh, biography called Last Train to Memphis, which is the rise of Elvis Presley. And again, it just captures that, how he, you know, how he dealt with all of that and the madness of it. And I find that fascinating, that people can have their lives changed to that extent and, and how they're received and suddenly become, you know, like wild sensations. And because it's, it documents the start of both of their careers as artists, I find that really fascinating. But, you know, it's not like the other books that have been written about them. Well, for, for a guy who said, I don't read much, you came out <laughs> with a long list. I did, sorry. <laughs> okay, and, I, and this is a slight twist on a question, but I think, again, it might be helpful for people, you know, given what you've been through. Is there any advice that you can give to people that are going to be speaking in a sort of highly emotional situation that, that you've maybe 
you know the thoughts that you've had to help you get through it that you could share with with someone else yeah I, I think you do you do have to think very carefully about what you're going to say i mean i did say earlier on i, I don't over prepare so it's not a prescriptive speech that i'm giving i have an idea of the message i want to get across but it is very much tailored to the people that are there and i think it's very important that you are not just speaking but that you are actually speaking to people yeah so you know if you've got the confidence and you're able to deal with the emotion of it if you can make eye contact and actually get your message across that way rather than you know either head down reading a piece of paper yeah. or, or just speaking above their heads i think it is very important to connect with people when you have a message which is so personal and which mm. you do want to get across and 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 it's about taking your time as well and and delivering it as best you can it's you know it's 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 difficult to do it's very difficult to do um and i think i've been fortunate that you know i have experience as i said of public speaking but it is very different when you're trying to deliver a message like that i do have to kind of slightly take myself out of the the emotional situation of it try to do that in order mm. to get the message across because you know the last thing you want to do is is break down emotionally in front yeah. of people so so that is that is hard thank you for that so, so Clary, where can people get hold of the song? And the song title is Christmas the Way It's Meant to Be, isn't it? The song that I've written is Christmas the Way It's Meant to Be. Yeah. That is now available for download um, on iTunes. You can stream it on, or download it from Spotify. It's on Apple Music, Amazon. So you can get it digitally. Mm-hmm. But we did produce this CD. Yeah. CD has a bonus track on it, which is Christine herself singing Fields of Gold. Right. It's a song that we recorded 10 or 11 years ago. We were able to find the original master tapes, which is amazing after that long. Um, and I put, we put a new piano part down. So it's a slightly different arrangement. We, we mixed her voice up a bit more. And it does sound, you know, quite wonderful to me that, that suddenly... It's like a new recording of her. Now that song is not available online. I didn't want it to be online. I wanted it to be special for people who buy the CD. So the CD is available from our, again, you can mail order it from our website, which is illuminatemylife.co.uk. Or if you are local to Swindon, there are some outlets in Swindon that are selling it uh, for us, which is great. And of course, by buying the CD, which does cost more than a download, uh, the CD costs five pounds. Uh, some of that money will go to the charities. So you are helping to raise more money for the charities. But equally, I'm very happy for people to download just the one song and stream it and play it and listen to it on Christmas Day. I think lots of people will be playing that on Christmas Day, which which will be really not a nice thing for me to think about. Brilliant. And I'll put those links in the show notes as well. But for once again, just it so they can... Uh, that download is available on iTunes and, and everywhere else where people can really sort of stream music. Yes. And uh, the CD is available from illuminatemylife.co.uk. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, Clary, as, a, as I said before, thank you so much. It's, it's been absolutely brilliant to hear the story and the message. And I, 
I'm just grateful that you are able to come on and share it with us, especially given the timing of everything. I, I, yeah, I think you're amazing. I think you said about the type of person and, and, and you certainly inspired me and thank, thank you, you really from the bottom of my heart. So appreciate yeah, it. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, there you go. Now, I'm going to keep this short as I want to play out the show with Clary Single. But I, I want to thank you so much for listening to The Speaking Club. And to say, if you do enjoy the show and get value, please subscribe and leave a review. That would be a fantastic Christmas gift for me. All that's left for me to say is to have a wonderful holiday season. If you're listening to this on the release... If you're listening to it after, we'll have a cracking time whenever it is. Please go and buy the song and support the two wonderful charities and Clary. And here is Clary and his family with Christmas the way it's meant to be to play us out. Bye-bye.
to your favorite time of year As the lights upon the trees shine down on our family We'll celebrate Christmas the way it's meant to be